more than more than time allows sometimes in the morning with you when it's quiet and I'm not disturbed by the world around me it's so real it's the place I want to be with you and then I get busy with things and it seems like most of them have the ability to take me off point I admire Mary but I'm more like Martha she sat quietly at your feet and you affirmed what she did by saying she chose the the best thing the right thing make us more like Mary and Lord uh, Martha she wasn't condemned by you. She was just told, you don't need that much. You don't need to be frazzled and distressed and distracted. But I know, Lord, we're, a, we're people, we're human. We, we want to we capture and hold on to moments like this. And yet, uh, sometimes we just get away from you and we... We wander, and we're not, we're not desperate. We're actually quite lost and sometimes don't even know it. So we pray that this moment together, these times of quietness, that they would give us a, an attraction to something that's real. Time with you the benefit and blessing of being still before you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Father. And Holy Spirit, we love you and thank you for inhabiting the praise of your people. Help us to stay desperate without you. Help us to never be satisfied in anything less than you. In Jesus' name. Hey, have a seat, church. It's um, it's a uh, it's a great song, Krista. Thank you for taking us there. Before I get started, kids, um, we're going to see you in a minute at the bounce house and all the fun stuff that's part of the fall festival. Um, and uh, have fun until then, and learn a lot about Jesus. There's all kinds of great discoveries ahead for you. And, um, I get to talk to your moms and dads and grandparents and the rest of us, okay? Um, I'm glad you're here today, church, and those of you that I can't see but I know you're with us, can I give a uh, wonderful shout-out to the folks in Florida? Um, we, um, Many of us here at Grace Point that are nearby have been in a prayer focus this week for uh, folks that used to be here at Grace Point, and I avoid all my teasing like, Hey, why don't you come back, you know, kind of stuff. That's not funny. 
I just, um, I, you know, there's lots of the Davises and the Stepanuses and uh, Linda and a lot of people um, back east. And uh, they were, um, as far as I know, without exception, they are okay. And, um, and, and they've kept us current on their situation. The power did go out in um, one case, um, may still be out, but uh, the, the rest has come on and their house is still standing. I mean, uh, you can hear it in their voice. What more is there to be thankful for than the relief of having a place to be and actually being alive? So, um, but we're here a world away and we're able to reach out 3,000 miles to folks that we love and many, many of their neighbors. Um, I think of, uh, yeah, others I could go on and on, but I'm sure I'll miss somebody. But it brings me back to the words of that song, Krista, the air I breathe. Um, that's pretty desperate. I mean, if you think about it, uh, the, the bread I need is another concept. Um, most of you, I can tell by the clock, you're going to be hungry in about, you know, three quarters of the way through my message. So <laughs> that's good. That's, but but it's, it's something we relate to, right? Um, in fact, if you, you and I were to, you know, we, we know they, are, they have great importance for humans. And they're vital to us, actually. You won't live more than a, you know, a, a number of weeks, maybe. Um, it's certainly not going to be very long without uh, food. And you'll live only a few days without drink, without water. And only a few minutes without air. So we, we get that. The oxygen thing is like, you know, try to, I used to be a little boy and uh, we were in challenging each other how many laps can you swim in uh, Mimi and Graham's pool or my aunt and uncle uh, aunt Patty and uncle Bob's pool how many laps can you go underwater without coming up for air and uh, today I think are you kidding me maybe a half a lap you know <laughs> but in those days I think you know there were 20 or 30 no I'm just kidding you but it was four or five laps down back you know your brain cells are starting to question whether you're going to, you know, they're going to cooperate. And I mean, it was a real, a kind of a moment to remember the importance of breathing. Um, and it's something we relate to. Um, but the song is actually about really something a whole lot, believe it or not, more significant than even that. Um, but here's the hard part to admit. And I don't want to put a downer on our thinking here, but it's easy to ignore. And that is, well, let me ask it as a question for you, because I've been asking it in my time with the Lord in preparation for today. And so I, I would ask you, how desperate are you, am I, for him? And then, and then related to that, how lost are you and I without him? I've lost my way before. 
And I don't just mean spiritually. I lost my way. I was a Boy Scout, and I'm supposed to know better. Right? Map and compass, right? True north and magnetic north. I mean, I, got, I had it all down and ignored all of it in the moment. I was, uh, I, you know, my dad didn't talk me out of it. He thought, well, they'll figure this out. But my brother and I and another friend decided to do a little winter camping in the Cascades. Um, and we never even considered, we didn't have apps and maps and things that told us, or, um, you know, forecast. We just said, we can do this. So we went up into the mountains, and it was really colder than we expected, but we parked the car and uh, began to hike in. We were going to survive. We were just survivalists, right? And then, and we didn't expect this at all, but it started snowing. And, uh, and did I tell you this was early January? <laughs> And it started really snowing hard, so hard, we, uh, it wasn't more than an hour or so of uh, futile attempts to start a fire that we kind of discarded all that and abandoned our campsite and decided we were going to, it's getting dusk now, and we decided against all the wisdom of scouting, we're going to find our way out. Well, the trail was completely covered in snow, and it was a harrowing time. Um, we did get out, but when we finally got to the, quote, parking lot, it was just a, a landscape of snow, and there was this weird-looking little mound out in the parking lot. It happened to be our car buried under a bunch of snow, right? And I didn't think we were going to survive. I really didn't, especially when I got home and my father found out about that scene, right? <laughs> That's when my trouble really began, but... Um, so last week in Acts, uh, we talked about the priority of sharing the gospel even when the results are mixed. And we, we, we understand that. If you've tried to do that and had resistance or blowback from somebody, you know it's hard at that moment to carry on. And the Bible warns us that there's going to be resistance, uh, which is a weird thought. You're there with a map humbly saying, I was lost too, I know how to get home. Is that the gospel? I think it is. Um, or you're, you're, you know, I've heard people say, you know, you're just, a, uh, you're just a hungry man telling another hungry beggar where to find food. You, you found it, but you were just as desperate until you did as the person you're sharing with. Despite that, there's resistance. And the Bible promises that there's a, there's, a, there's a mixed reaction that comes. But we're still told, share the gospel, share the word of God. And there will be times when it's favorable and other times when it's not. I bring that up because that's good advice. Be ready in season and out of season for the time will come when no one will want to hear what you're saying. I don't know if we're completely there today. But um, I suspect we're close. Um, that said, um, maybe you knew this, but that counsel, just share the gospel, leave the results to God. That, that counsel is actually built on a couple of principles I want to briefly talk about and share in this great, quiet moment of communion with you. Um, and so I want to talk about those very quickly um, Priorities, I would call these, and I would give you time to write them down. There's only two. The first priority is this. We must 
as the song said, breathe in God's word daily. I'm not done. But we must breathe in God's word daily if we're to have the ministry and carry out the ministry God has given us. So a shorter way of saying it is you can't do this alone. You need, you need God in the picture. We've got to breathe in his word daily. Um, my thoughts are in Psalm 1 just for a moment. It starts out, it's a really great psalm. Um, you might ask, as I often do when I come to a Bible passage, who wrote it? Now, for the record, the Holy Spirit wrote it. But who's the human author is what I mean when I say, who wrote that? And, um, and this might throw you for a curve a little bit. It's the very first psalm, and it's written by Anonymous. So I don't know if you've met Anonymous. Um, but I think Anonymous is very telling. Before we read Psalm 1, Anonymous is really significant. Because I think it says, don't, this doesn't just fit a few situations or a few people. That's how I read anonymous. Because I want to tag it to David or Hezekiah or some, you know, heroic moment, uh, Exodus and Moses and the, you know, uh, deliverance of God's people. This one has none of that. You can speculate, but anonymous means... It doesn't really fit a certain specific situation suggesting, ready? It fits all of us, right? It's a way of saying, you know what? This will work for everyone, for you and for me. Okay, so take a look. Psalm 1, blessed is the one, he starts out, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, her delight, is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he or she meditates, keep looking at your Bible, meditates day and night. Not Sunday morning for a short little devotional from a pastor. See how this kind of claims a space in each part of every day? Okay, so that they would meditate day and night. And verse 3, we'll come to it in a moment, share some of the payoff, some of the blessing or the gain from doing that. But don't forget it, the starting point. It's, it begins with stay away from something. Stay away from what? Well, stay away from, he makes a list, wicked ones, uh, sinners, and scoffers. Now, the idea here is not avoid them, stay hidden in your home, and have no touch or contact with the world. Paul would say later on, you know, uh, in 1 Corinthians 5, you know what? I did not say uh, stay away from all sinful people. Because if you saw that as my 
council. You'd have to separate from the world. You'd have to be, in those days, there were people that thought they were more spiritual because they were from a monastic background, which was a separatist movement that said, the more separated you can become, the more holy you're perceived to be. And there's folly in that. But there's a caution being made here. Why stay away in an intimate kind of association and a close camaraderie? Is because they have a huge influence on us. We're told here, be careful. Be careful. They can bring us down and terrible words, but I know too many people where this has been true. We can fall away. I say that with a lump in my throat because I know a ton of people that have fallen away. I know that I searched the scriptures. I started with myself. I thought, how did I fail as a pastor? That sheet is gone. That person fell away. I go to Matthew 24 and I think of Jesus' words when he's describing the very near-end developments. And and amidst it all, he says, in this downward trend, the love of most will grow cold. And I think, man, I know there's been loveless times in our world, but this seems like one of them. Um, so we're supposed to Guard ourselves from that by avoiding deep, constant contact with this list of people. And you can go deeper in all of this, and I hope you do. But then he says, we're to spend time instead breathing his word. It's the words meditate and delight. This is, this is really different than a casual and quick taste of the truth and then move on. I know it's popular today to multitask. <laughs> you know where I'm going. I almost got in a car crash on the way this morning. And it's probably from a churchgoer, I'm thinking. Not in this room. But she was going somewhere. And she decided to finish combing and her hair and doing her eyes and... Lord only knows what else. And I thought, you know something? Um, you're, you're in too big of a hurry. You're not planning well. I've never really encountered an intimate moment with Jesus in a hurry. I haven't. By the way, besides nearly rear-ending me, she nearly swerved over. She caught her. I could tell. Have you ever done this? Those of us that have know what she's doing. She's got her knee moving her steering wheel while she's doing this, right? I've done it. So have you. Y'all, no, no, I don't put on makeup, but I've done something. I have flossed, okay? Confession time. Right in front of God and all the other motorists around me. I've, I've been going like this, well... How do you do this? Yeah, we've got a dental hygienist who's going, yeah, buddy, way to go. So how do you do this with one 
hand. I know there's those little hook things, but they, my teeth are just, they don't work with me. So I got to really get in there and just, and I, and you get what I mean, right? So I'm, I'm noticing that in her re- makeup do or whatever she was doing, she swerves clear over and I'm thinking, oh Lord, she's going to get hurt. And uh, she didn't. But so um, you got to do something that will take a quiet place to do it. You got to meditate on God's word. My dad used to say it's like a cow chewing its cud. Take a piece of God's word, his truth, take it in. Chew it, apparently swallow it, (laughs) bring it back, chew some more. You get the point? I don't know how many stomachs they have, but it's a, frankly, it's a very gross illustration, Dad, but it it really works. There's three? Three. So chew it, meditate on God's word, delight in his word, Um, do it day and night. And, and you, you know what's going to happen, that other word that we just read? You're going to start to delight in God's word. I, I don't know how long it, it's been for you where you were like the psalmist in 119, 97, probably Ezra wrote it. Oh, how I love your law, he says. Isn't that great? I will meditate on it all day long. Now, that could be hyperbole. He, did, he had a job. But you get what I mean? I think what the Bible's saying to us. His word is our daily bread. I told you the payoff, but let's read about it. This person will be, verse 3, like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, who, whose leaves do not wither, and who prospers in all they do. I mean, that's, that's payday, folks. It is to meditate on his word in this quiet, take it in time with God, day and night, is to, is to cause you to be fruitful. It's the very thing a fruit tree does. It's, it's not unnatural. It's the very thing Christians are to do. You're connected. He's the vine. We are the branches. We're supposed to bear fruit, right? This is so good. And, and then notice it's healthy. It's, it's, it says um, it's leaves do not wither. That's healthy. Despite heat, despite drought and winds, You'll still be standing. Um, these trees, the, the, they don't droop. And it's easy to skip over this. But some of you are in a bad habit, like I was. We tend to look at the end of verse 3 and say, whatever they do, they prosper. Well, make sure... Let me throw out a big caveat. That may not mean money. 
Why do I do that? Why does any of us do that? I'm not a prosperity gospel guy. But you know, the Bible does not define prosper here. As though it's saying, let me ask you, how many of you with no definition, if I had the power, I had a magic wand and could wave it at you here or online, I could wave it at you and the result will be you prosper. Raise your hand if you'd like me to wave it at you right now. Yeah. Why not? You don't have to know what prosper means at all. Stop asking questions like that. Prosper is prosper. I'll take two scoops. Right? This is good stuff. By the way, there's an anonymous, another anonymous, that shows up also in Psalm, Psalm 92, verses 12 to 15. All this is in your notes every week. The righteous will flourish. This is color commentary of what we just read. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like the cedars of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. Listen to this. They will flourish in the courts of our God. I don't know what flourish means. Do I have to define it? To go, I'll take that. They will still bear fruit in old age. Most of us get that in this room, right? We understand that. We are either old age or we know somebody that is. And they can still bear fruit. He says in old age or she says, whoever said this. They will stay fresh and green to the end. I'm going to call out some names. There are people in this room that are way up there in years. I just decided not to call out names. But can I tell you something about these people? You know, you've got your list too. You know why you've got your list? Because you're saying to yourself, I want to be like him. I want to be like her. When I become ancient of days, You know what I mean? They are, they're abundant. Their lives are alive. So I want to be that kind of person. And uh, let me just give you a footnote to all of this. Uh, I rose early a few nights ago. It was still night, but I couldn't sleep. And I got up and I walked into... Um, our family room area and uh, slipped out of the room quietly. I didn't want to disturb Debbie. And I, and I just sat in this chair. It's by the fireplace, but it was too warm to have a fire. And so I just sat there. And I thought, Lord, I'm, I'm not going to bed. I don't know what this is about. But um, I'm going to wait until I hear from you, Holy Spirit. And I remember praying something like, Holy Spirit, you are Steve McCracken's helper. He says that about every man or woman that belongs to Jesus. 
send me help. To understand why I'm awake right now and can't sleep. And I just sat there because I finished this little prayer with, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you please speak to me? You know something? Can I just tell you a confession? I used to be that guy that would, when people said, God said to me, I just get nervous. I did. I don't know about you. I, I, I don't know if that's just a weird thing that I did, but I came from a school that, and schools and experiences that made, there was a little suspicion about that. And I thought, ah, no, he, he speaks right here. Of course he speaks right here. But the Holy Spirit, he, this is the sword of the Spirit, I get it. But he communicates. Yeah, some of you amens right now. Uh, I can hear them online. I know some that are watching that are going, say it. It's the Holy Spirit speaking. And you know what? His, his voice, if, if the, the thing I heard that, when I said, will you speak to me, his, his words that morning, it's approaching 3.30 in the morning now. I just sat there for a while, and I wasn't impatient the whole time. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to conk out about 11 o'clock this morning and go to bed, you know. And uh, it was a work day, but um, his words to me were transformative. And I, I want to tell you them. You who belong to God, fix your thoughts on God's Son, Jesus. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 says very simply, no, no decoration, nothing complicated. Imagine my joy in reading these words. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, I, I'm one of them by, by God's definition, I belong to Jesus, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. <laughs> okay, you're going, well, it's in Hebrews 3.1. No, it was not just 3.1. It was the Holy Spirit talking to me and saying, Steve, just focus on Jesus. And it wasn't just a moment. I went, okay, I'm getting sleepy. Let's go. It was, oh. And I just spent unhurried time with him. It was a great time. And some of you can go all the way back to Hebrews 12. You can just keep turning the page. It comes right after chapter 11 where we're talking about all these wonderful, I preached a sermon series by faith. All these great guys, they make up a group of faithful people. Since we have so great a group, a cloud of witnesses, we're told in chapter 12. Fix our eyes on Jesus. They did. The author and finisher of our faith. That means he's the one that started the work in you, and you're still here. That means he's got more work to do. Right? The author and finisher of our faith, 
Why should we focus on Jesus who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despised its shame. He didn't walk away in the moment. He despised its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him who endured such terrible things so that you will not grow weary and you will not lose heart. That's important stuff. That's a plug and play. Because if I'm, unless I miss my guess, there's more than a few of us that on a regular basis find ourselves growing weary and tempted to lose heart. Can I have a hand if that's you? Okay, I don't, there's no shame in saying that. It's you and me being real. And that's why we're together. We need Jesus. Second priority, real simple. It, it, it follows the you, we have to take in God's word daily. This one is we have to live out God's word daily. In order for us to fulfill our calling. I want to have you, if you would, at the end here, turn to the end of Jesus' incredible sermon that covers three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Would you turn there? It's known as the Sermon on the Mount, <coughs> and it's uh, a sermon that is a three-chapter masterpiece. There's nothing better. Old or New Testament or any preacher alive today or in the past or in the future. This is the standard. This is the deal. After three incredible chapters, he makes a clear and very simple contrast between two types of people. Okay? So now you're at chapter 7 at the end. And now you're ready to read words you've heard before. But get ready for a shock. Verse 24, therefore, he's done with his message. It's like me, I'm about done. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, my Bible's in red ink, I'm reading words of Jesus, and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears this message, hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who builds his house on, not a rock, sand. Notice verse 27, and the rains came down and the streams rose up and the winds blew and beat against that house. Exactly what we just read. And it, however, fell with a great kerplunk. Those two people, hear me now, look at me. Those two people 
are in this place today. You watching from someplace else, those two people are watching. And at times, here's the shock, they are the same person. For all my life, I have thought, well, I want to be the wise man. Stuff's going to come. It's going to be hard. No fun. But I want to stand through it. I don't want to be the fool. And it's like God saying, wait a minute. That's great. You got the point of the illustration. There is a wise person and a foolish person. Both faced the same experiences. That's why we emphasized it in reading it again. They faced exactly the same stuff of life. Rain, winds, floods, beating against our lives. Those represent anything you want to make them represent. They're the, the stuff that's hard. Now listen. Their outcomes, however, are completely different. One stood and one fell. What should raise this question? What separated them? It's not even hidden. One lived out what Jesus said daily and one did not. Now the painful part. I am that person. Say, which one, Pastor? Both. I don't have a dark secret to reveal to you about me. But as a southerner once said, I lose my religion regularly when certain people just tip me over. It, most of it's crazy drivers. <laughs> Say, he's got a thing with drivers. Because I was one, Right? We're out of time, you guys. We can't keep going. Um, my question to all of us, which person are you? Can I say it right now in words you're expecting? If your answer is both, I applaud your honesty. Seriously do. Because I know you, and you know me. And there's times when I'm standing solid on this rock. And then there's times when I'm weak-kneed and I'm on sand. So these words are for you as I finish. The Apostle Paul, whatever you think of him, I tend to be a guy that thinks past Acts 9. I would not have invited him to dinner in Acts 9. 
but I like the guy he became. I still wouldn't invite him to dinner very often. So he'd probably be, he'd probably be that guest that would make me uncomfortable. Like, why are you looking at me like that? You know that guest. Why do you bring up questions like, can we just eat a delicious dinner by Debbie? Come on. And, and he said this. I give you that preface to tell you this. Regardless of what you think of him, he said this, these words, in what's called first person singular. That's a way of saying, I'm going to tell you a story about me. The takeaway you draw in your own life is up to you. But this is about me. I'm quoting Romans 7. Actually, I want you to bow your heads. Would you do that? Before I read these words, spoken by Paul about Paul. I'm going to have the lights come down. Wonderful. Thank you, Kevin. And, and I just want you to have a tender moment to personally embrace this confession. I've discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving Holy Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. End quote. This struggle, brother and sister, friends of mine, this struggle will continue. But our victory is assured by Jesus Christ. And condemnation, listen to me, has been canceled for all who belong to Jesus Christ. You've been the fool, but you're no longer a condemned fool. My question to you, and I wouldn't be doing what the Holy Spirit wants me to do in this moment, 
is to ask you an honest question. Do you belong to Jesus? If not, or you're not sure, now is the time to surrender to him. Just repent. In any words you want, Jesus, I suck. I'm terrible. I didn't. Why would you want me? Whatever. Or here I am again. I keep doing this. Two steps forward, ten steps backward. I don't know what, God. Sometimes I'm just a mess. Is that you? He wants you, you know. Receive his forgiveness today, would you? And begin to breathe daily. It's how we stay desperate for and dependent 